Listen, I know it's Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know. I already have my turkey. I started eating the turkey last night. Anybody already started eating your turkey, right? Yeah. We'll know next week who ate the turkey because you'll walk in still half asleep. Uh, from the leftovers and stuff. So, no, I'm honored to be with you today and have you with us. I see some friends here today I hadn't seen in a while. Man, I love it uh, having y'all with us, especially at the early service this morning. Um, man, you guys, I want you to know that 830, you guys set an atmosphere for 10 and 1130. So when you come in and you worship, man, you're setting an atmosphere for two more experiences to encounter Jesus every single week. So thank you. Hey, you can go ahead and turn in uh, or on your Bibles to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, we're going Old Testament today. Deuteronomy chapter 15 uh, is where we're going to hang for a little while today. As you're doing that, um, I want to say that we're only a few weeks away from Christmas at Radiate. Come on. It's a big time. We're excited. You saw a graphic roll out this week kind of promoting some things. You're going to hear way more details about that at the end of the service today and so many other things coming out. A new series kicks off in December called Flipping Christmas. So I hope you invite your friends and family to Flipping Christmas this year. You know, like just invite them to Flipping Christmas. Uh, just ask them, hey, you going to Flipping Christmas this year? And then it starts a conversation. No, we want you to help. I want you to help me do something. I want you to help me pray uh, over those experiences. We are adding experiences for our Christmas services this year. We're expecting record crowds and amazing things to happen. Help us pray over that, number one. And number two, help us invite people to that. You'll hear way more information about that coming up. Let's pack this room out four different times. We're doing a service actually in Florence this year as well. So there's some great things coming up. Get ready to launch that campus next year. And uh, so pump, man. I'm glad there's six of you that are excited with me today. And <laughs> hey, we're in week two of a brand new series called Making Sense. Making Sense. Pastor Travis kicked it off last week with an amazing message about the first. Uh, the first is always first. Make the first things first, you know, and, and he talked to us a lot about that last week. Today, I want to go and I want to talk about the attitudes of giving. Right. So I know like you come in and this is what happens every single stinking time a church does a message or a series on giving. Every time it's somebody comes in and goes, of course, of course, you're going to talk about giving your, your, your paycheck must be coming up. Money must be running low. Can I tell you, we've been incredibly blessed at Radiate Church this year, like incredibly blessed. Like, I mean, we've given away more money than we've ever given away in the history of this church this year. I think you need to celebrate that. Um, man, God's just done amazing things through you and through us, and, and I'm honored to be a part of a church that cares about giving. But let me just say, because maybe you're in the room and you come from a church that like maybe it was abused a little bit, or you have a mindset that's a little different when it comes to giving or whatever. Can I just tell you, I can't get up here and talk about planting a church and pastoring a church to equip and empower people to, make a, uh, to live the life God intends and never talk about everything God intends. And everything God intends also includes money. This is where most people grab their wallets and they're like, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I actually had somebody two weeks ago, tell, they knew we were doing this series. They said, I hate it when you do these series. And I was like, good, that means God's challenging you a little bit, you know? Like literally, that was our conversation. And um, so I, I, I don't want you to miss a week. I want you to, obviously, if you, did, if you weren't here last week, go catch up. Uh, and then be here next week. It's going to be, I know, Turkey Day, all that stuff. Just be here next week. It's going to be great. So did you know, did you know, I don't, I don't know if you knew this. This is kind of mind-blowing. Every time I, I look at the stats, I'm just going to give you a few stats about the Bible and money and, 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 and all that. Money is mentioned over 
hundred times in the Bible. Money. I don't want to talk about money. Well, God sure had a lot to say about money, right? Over 800 times in the Bible. Watch this. 11 of Jesus' 39 parables were about money and possessions. I think he's got something to say to us, right? Here's another one. I'm just going to give you one more. Money and possessions. Watch this. A lot of people think, most people think, money and possessions, by their calculations, are the second, is the second most talked about topic in the Bible. Let's don't talk about it though, right? Let's learn about it from the world. Let's learn about it from everybody else but who God, you know, what God teaches us about it, the Bible. And, and I want you to know this, like I want to flip a mindset today, right? We're not just flipping Christmas, we're going to flip mindsets today. Here, here's a mindset I want you to understand. First and foremost, you've got to grab this. God wants more for you than he wants from you. Let, let me repeat that because I don't think you got very excited about that. I, and and, and y'all know, like our church, we, we like to be excited about the word, right? God wants more for you than he wants from you. And when we have the wrong mentality about finances, when we have the wrong mentality about biblical money, when we have the wrong mentality about the kingdom of God, we think God wants everything from us. 10% of my money is because God wants it from me. No, it's because God wants more for you with the other 90%. Are you with me? He wants more for you than from you. He asks for our submission of salvation, our submission of our lives, our, you know, to, to, to submit ourselves to him fully. What do we get? Eternal life. Which one outweighs the other? Eternal life. He wants more for us than from us. However, the problem is if we're not careful, we'll begin to think more about what he's, what, what he's getting from us rather than we're, what we're getting uh, for us and from him and we got to come to this reality that where we understand God's not a businessman that's trying to build an enterprise are you with me like I hope you don't think God's up in heaven just going let's see how much bank I, money I can bankroll he don't have for citizens bank up there your li your money literally doesn't go up there it stays here now let me ask you this if you had two options Two places to invest your money, right? Let's say for, for tithe purposes, since we talked about that last week, let's say for tithe purposes it's 10%. 10% of everything you bring in, you have to do something. It's mandated, it's law. You have to do something with that 10%. You have to invest it one of two places. You have to either invest it over here, and over here is a group of people, right? And, and, and what they're going to do is they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna shade people out of stuff, right? They're going to take advantage of systems, they're going to they're gonna probably rob some people. Like, they're going to do things, but it's going to be real shady. It's not going to be real good. You have to invest it here. Or you invest it over here with people that are going to try to feed the homeless, right? Going to try to clothe the, the, the cold. You're gonna, they're going to try to build places, right, where people can gather together and learn about God and, and all this stuff. Which one would you want to invest in? Even if you weren't a believer in Jesus, you'd probably be like, I'm not giving it to the shady people. I'm not going to give it to them to build an empire off of. I'm not going to give it to them to, to tear down things. I'm not. Yet what we do, we have that opportunity every week. So let me, let, me, let me keep going with this. If we have the opportunity, which one do you think God would choose? You think God would choose the side where it's personal gain and personal profit and you, you do what you got to do to get ahead in life and you buy as much as you can, no matter who you got to stab in the back and all this stuff. Or do you think God would choose the one where it's, hey, let's feed the poor. Hey, let's clothe the homeless. 
Hey, let's help people find jobs. Hey, let's help people find money. Let's help people find uh, uh, Jesus. Let's help people. Which one would God, God choose? Well, you already know the answer. It doesn't even matter if this is your first time in church, you know the answer. The answer is he chooses over here. So watch this. Why do we think in the church that God wants to take money from his kids to give to the other side? He doesn't want more from us. He wants to get more to his kids because he knows that his kids that are sold out, that are committed and submitted, his kids that are, that are going to do everything they can to reach people for the kingdom of God, he's not going to go, hey, give me all the money from the good. Let me put it to the bad. God wants to get the money to the churches and, and, and the, peop, and the para, para churches and the ministries that are going out and making a difference. Why? Because he wants to expand his kingdom. Watch this. He's not trying to take things from us to give over here. He's trying to get things to us. But when I'm constantly full of myself, he can't get anything to me because I'm already full. God, we talked about this with jars, right? God can't pour into a full jar. You're not going to do that. You're not going to go home and go, hey, babe, fill up a cup of water for me. I want to make some Coke. You know why? Because that's ridiculous. But here's what we do. Hey, I'm going to fill me up with me and with my money and with my desires and my passions and my this and my that and then ask God to fill me up too. And God's like, no, I don't waste my anointing on the floor. Are you, are you following me today? So there's, there's this thing we got to learn. God wants more for us than he wants from us, the church, the pastors, and, 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 and I have a family member that, rest his soul, used to think that pastors just wanted money. Can I tell you, I don't even know your money. I don't know your situation. I don't know how much you give every week. That is not my concern. My concern is following this. And part of what we're talking about today is following this. And, but we, if we're not careful, we'll have this flipped up mentality that God's just wanting stuff from me. Can I, I just want to rest that today. God doesn't want anything from you other than you. That's all he wants from you. But he wants everything for you. For your finances and for your family and for your church and for your friends and for your workplace and all that. God wants things for you, not just from you. That's the father that we serve. That's the father that embraces us in the middle of tragedy. That's the father that goes, I get your skepticism, but I want, I, you got to understand, this thing is flipped when it's in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is flipped upside down from everything else, right? And so there's this verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter, chapter 12, verse 2. Let's throw that up real quick because I, I, I want to read that because it talks about the power of the mind. Watch this. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that is which is good and acceptable and perfect. You can leave that up for a minute. Watch this. Please, please watch this because this, this goes right into money. Be transformed or changed by your mind or your thought process being made new. So it says you have to change. Everything up here has to be born again. It has to be shifted. It has to be made new in a new way. And then it says, after that, then you will know and be able to not just know, but prove. How do you prove something? You live it out. You see it begin to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, the Gamecocks prove their ball team 
They lived it out. Praise God, right? Somebody had a bet going on, I'm sure, that I was going to mention that at some point. You may prove what the will of God is. You live it out. You prove what he's saying. You cannot hear me today. You got to grab this. You cannot, I cannot prove what the will of God is in my life as long as I'm still thinking on the same level that I came from. It's not possible. I have to shift my mentality and my thinking and then I can live out and prove day by day by day what the will of God is that is perfect, pleasing, and, and, and acceptable will of God. Here's the thing about, about thoughts. What you want tomorrow, you have to decide today. Sunday morning church is not a Sunday morning decision. It's a Saturday night decision. You decided last night you were coming to church today. Right? I, I, I'll, I'll ask people sometimes, hey, you want to go to the gym with me today? You want to go? And here's what they'll say the day before. <laughs> I love you. Except you've never worked out with me but once. Um, so I embarrassed you one time and now you won't even go. So we, I'll ask them, hey, you want to go to the gym today, right? And here's what they'll say, or tomorrow. And they'll say, let me see what's going on. That's a no. You've already said no. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide to eat better, right? I'm going to decide to eat better. Yeah, I'll start Monday. No, you won't. Monday never starts because you never said which Monday, right? Or whatever it is, I'm, I'm having a little fun. But the reality is what I want tomorrow, I have to decide today. It's a, it's a mindset shift to go, I want my finances in line with God. Well, you can't decide that whenever you're in a financial crisis. Because when you're in a financial crisis, you're trying to make it through the crisis. But when I decide in financial surplus that my finances will be within God, then when a financial crisis hits, now I don't have to scuffle. It's just a part of who I am. I can't get mad that what I want tomorrow isn't happening when I'm not living for it today. It's a mentality issue. It's a thinking issue. I have to change the way I think. Most of us, in fact, statistics say that well over 70% of Americans have way more month lift left at the end of their money. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not going to beat you up for that. We've all been there. We all live there sometimes. At the end of the month, you're like, holy cow. There's way more February left than there is for paycheck. Right? It is a short month. Watch this. But until I shift the way I think about money, then I'll continue to use it as a vice rather than a tool. Money is a tool to expand the kingdom of God and provide for my needs. It's not a vice that I need to fall in love with. That's why the Bible teaches, people say, well, money is the, love of, uh, is the root of all evil. No, it's not. It says the love of money. When I love money, it now controls me. I don't control it. And we got to come to this understanding that, that uh, there's a mentality shift that has to take place today if I want to see something different tomorrow. So we're going to go through four types, four hearts, four attitudes, however you want to say it, four attitudes of giving uh, today through Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 15. Let's read this together. It says this. It's a series of verses in the Old Testament. It's a bunch of laws. It's a bunch of different things. But I want to read it, and I want to kind of break down because there's four attitudes that I think we see in today's world that were also prevalent in these portions of Scripture. If there's a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns, in your land, which the Lord God is giving you, 
You shouldn't harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you should freely open your hand and should generously lend him sufficient for his needs in whatever he lacks. Wow, whatever he lacks, money, time, you know, like if he needs help, right? Whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near and, and, um, and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother and you give him nothing that he may, then he may cry to the Lord against you and it will be a sin against you. You should generously give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore, I command you saying, you should freely open your hand to your brother and to your needy and poor in your land. If your kinsman, a Hebrew man or a woman is sold to you, then he should serve you six years, but in the seventh year, you should set him free. When you set him free, you should not send him away empty-handed. You should furnish him liberally from your flock and your threshing floor and from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord God has given you. You shall bless, or you should remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. I know you're reading that and you're like, there's a lot there. It's kind of confusing. There's a lot of Old Testament stuff in there. There's a lot of old culture and old laws and temple values and all that stuff in there. Let's break it down to the four things. I'm gonna give you two, two attitudes that are dangerous and two attitudes to combat those attitudes, right? You ready? Number one is this. What you see in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse nine, is it says this, beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother and you give him nothing then he may cry to the Lord against you and it will be a sin in you. The first attitude we gotta look out for is a selfish attitude. A selfish attitude. Please, please gather what it says in Deuteronomy 15.9. It says a base thought. I know we can read through that and be like, ah, oh, whatever. A base thought is the essence. It's the very thing that you've built off of, right? So like when they tell you um, in sports, they tell you to have a good, strong base. That means spread your feet out and get a good base about you so that you can, you can kind of rock and you can move, but you're going to keep your balance because you got a good base. When you're, he says don't have a base thought about you, saying that it's in remission and then you don't give him anything. Here's what he's saying. Do not have the core of who you are based on keeping everything you have. Now, 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 let me back up for a minute. I think saving is important. I think creating legacy is important. I think putting things back for your family and for your future is important. I think that's smart finances. Selfishness is going, no, I'm not giving to you because I need what you need and I have what you need and it's in surplus right now, but I'm not giving to you. Selfishness is holding everything I have with a very tight, and close fist. Here, here's the reality, because I know the seven-year thing, you're kind of like, what is this? Every seventh year in those days, debts were forgiven. So every seventh year, you were completely debt-free. For seven years leading up to that, or, or six years leading up to that, right, you, you had to pay the payments, you had to do what you had to do, and there was, there was strict punishment on it. You couldn't just, you didn't have a grace period of a couple months. Like, it was, it was rough. But on that seventh year, when it hit, 
People would begin getting ready for that seventh year, and there was an issue with that. Your debts were forgiven, but here's what people would do, is they would begin hoarding everything that they could get their hands on, and they wouldn't share it with anybody. Think back to the great toilet paper crisis of 2020. <laughs> Couldn't even get some Charmin up in Food Lion, right? You're hoarding everything. You're taking it. You're putting it in closets. You're putting it in places where nobody else can get it but you. Why? Because your debts were about to be forgiven, which means now everything that was tied up in debts is about to be yours, plus everything that you can get your hands on and hold away from everybody else is now yours. So what he's saying is have no base thought in your heart, have no basis of your life, have no foundation of your life that you're going to hold everything to you so that you have more than anybody else when the debts are forgiven. He says, you don't look poorly on your brother. You don't look at somebody in need and go, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. You, you, you're good. Go. I hope somebody can, can bless you. I hope somebody can feel your need. I hope somebody cares enough about your soul to invite you to church. I hope somebody cares enough about your, your kids to help them buy some groceries this week. I hope somebody, because right now I'm hoarding up. And we have all these great ways like, of talking about this, right? Are you with me today? We have all these great ways of talking about this. Like, oh, I'm just preparing. Oh, I'm, I'm just getting ready. Yeah, but when the Spirit speaks, and if he tells us to be generous, and it's an opportunity to show Jesus in a, in a practical way, and we don't do it, that's not called preparing. That's called disobedience. And there's a really, really fine line we have to walk. Yeah, but what, what if it puts me in a bad place? I don't know. What does God say? What did God tell you to do? That's the ultimate question. What did God tell you to do? Not what did I tell you to do. What did God tell you to do? Here's the thing that makes this so hard. We're all born selfish, aren't we? The first cry, like the first time a baby's born, right? Pastor Chris and Hope, they had their baby this past week. Come on, somebody. There's an, we grow in the church. You know what I'm saying? I had their baby. I went and saw the baby in the hospital. Baby was beautiful. Baby didn't even cry. That baby's going to cry at 3 a.m. at some point. And it's not going to cry because it's going to be like, ah! Mom, I just want to make sure you are okay. I'm thinking about you, Mom. No, why is that baby going to cry? That baby's hangry. That baby wants something to eat. That baby's got to poop. Somebody got to change it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what babies do. Babies cry because of what they need. Christians should cry out because of what others need. Baby Christians, can I challenge you for a minute? Cry out because of what I need. Sometimes we are in need. Sometimes we need to talk to God about what we need. But if I talk to God more about what I need than what other people need, maybe I'm too inward focused. We're all selfish. Like, I'm selfish, y'all. Y'all, one of my love languages is getting gifts. Like it's a love language for me. Give me something. Here's a Skittle. Oh my gosh, you're my best friend. <laughs> We're all selfish in some way, shape, or form, and that is okay. But we can't live in that. Be transformed or changed by the renewing or made new of our thought process in our mind because here's the reality when we are made new when we're born again when we have our second birth in the spiritual realm with God watch this the kingdom of God Hebrew says we're a part of a kingdom that shall never be shaken and the kingdom of God is built on selflessness not selfishness the kingdom of God is built on selflessness think about it what did Jesus do he gave his entire life so that we could have ours we don't even have to pay a debt that we should have to pay 
The kingdom of God is built on selflessness. God didn't create giving for his needs, but for your good. God, can I give you, can I, this is going to be groundbreaking. You ready? God does not need you to pay his electric bill. The lights ain't going to go out in heaven because you skip your tithe. Giving is not about his need. Giving is for our good. It's for our obedience. It's for our faith. It's for everything that we're about. I know. I hear you guys. I, I hear the air being sucked out of the room every time I talk about giving. Y'all kind of, that's, listen, this, I don't know why we get tight when we talk about money. God, we, we're good about giving our life. Just don't take my money. And God's just like, no, I want obedience in everything. Here's the second one, a grieving heart. So selfishness is before we give. Grieving is after we give. You ever have buyer's remorse? You bought something and then you're like, oh, shoot. Like, I had the money and I was good with that. But like, I just, oh, geez. Right? You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Buyer's remorse. It's terrible. What, what does verse 10 say? Watch this. Verse 10 says, you should generously give to him. This is following up what he just talked about, about a base thought. You should generously give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, please hear this, the generosity, the freely giving, for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. The second heart is grieving heart. Grieving is tough. Grieving is hard. Grieving is difficult. Selfishness happens before we give it's when we hold on with a tight fist and i don't want to let it go and this is my how dare you it's what my three-year-old does when anybody tries to play with one of his toys or anything in our house because everything in our house is his apparently right and he holds it like this grieving is after you let it go now you're grieving because it was a part of you can i can i be real if your financial freedom is so tightly a part of you that you grieve it every time you let it go we may need to look at what idols we have in front. Because finances has to be a tool, not just a part of who we are. This is, God's teaching this all the time. So the Romans and the Egyptians and stuff all throughout the Bible, you know what they were obsessed with? Money and power. That's it, money, power, money, power, money, power, money, power. Everything they did, they killed people for money and power. They intimidated people for money and power. They sold slaves for money and power. They did all this stuff for money and power. Hear me. Christians are supposed to be so loose with everything that when God speaks, we go. When God speaks, we go. And when God speaks, we give. We generously give at all times. Selfish is before, grief is after. Um, here's how we defeat. Here's how we defeat, like, a grieving heart. You have to realize this. It's not yours to begin with. It's not mine to begin with. Every time. That direct deposit, and I get that little ding on my phone, and my bank account says a direct deposit has hit your account, and I do a little dance in my office, and I'm excited, and I get all Pentecostal up in here. Every time. I have to remember, it's not mine. God never asked for all of his back. He just asked for a portion of it back. God never asked me to give it all back. God just asked me to listen to him whenever he tells me where to place it. See, it's not... It's not my Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. This is where the, the tithing portion comes from. says this. This is so good. It says, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? 
But you say, how have, you how have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. Watch this. The Bible is saying, God's going, hey, you're going to rob me? You're going to rob God? You're going to rob the, the father of the universe, the creator of the universe? You're going to rob God? Watch this. This is crazy. You can't rob somebody of something that's not theirs. You can't break into Tracy's house and steal something from me. That ain't my house. It's not my TV. That ain't my jewelry. That ain't nothing you just took from her house is mine. You can't rob something from me in somebody else's house. Here's what God's saying. In tithe, he's saying everything you have, because the tithe and offering was the first. He's saying everything you have is mine. And so when you refuse to give what's mine back to me, you're stealing it from me. And he talks about curses and all that, so I don't want to go into all that right now, but we have to understand, it's not mine. God never, watch this, God never gives to you. He always wants to give through you. So everything he places to you is meant to eventually flow through you. You may get a paycheck from your job, but it's flowing through your boss from God. Are you following me today? Nothing that we get, nothing that we have financially is ours. It's all God. So how do we fight a selfish heart and a grieving heart? How do we, how do we fight a selfish attitude and a grieving attitude with giving? Here we go. The, the first way we can do this is we have to develop a generous heart. Verse 14 says, and this is talking about after you release a slave. This is after a certain time when you've had a slave, you let the slave go. And here's what he says. Watch this. He says, you should furnish him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine vat. And you should give to him, here we go, as the Lord your God has blessed you. All right, so we're going really in depth about generosity next Sunday. But watch this, as the Lord your God has blessed you. Wow, what would my life look like if I blessed others, not just, let's take finances out of it. Let's just say finances, energy, time, love, care, prayer, any of those things. What would my life look like if I blessed others the way God has blessed me? Actually, let me rephrase it. What would their life look like if I blessed them the way God has blessed me? See, the truth of the matter is really simple. A generous heart combats all of this. We are blessed to be a blessing. He says, you bless others the way God's blessed you. I don't want to go too in-depth on this one because I'm really, like next week, we're really diving in just on generous heart and generous attitude. But you've got to grab this today. One of the number one ways you can combat a selfish and grieving heart is a generous heart. Here's the last way. Give you this one. It's in verse 15, and it's by having a grateful, a grateful heart. Verse 15, I love this. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. I love how it puts that in there. Because having a grateful heart remembers or, or gets us on this that I'm not where I was or I'm not where I want to be sorry but thank God I'm not where I was a grateful heart says 
I'm not yet where I want to be in my life. I haven't achieved all the things that I want. I'm not the guy that's going to say, if you want a new truck, a new boat, a new house, I don't think any of that stuff's wrong within the context of what God, how God teaches us to do it. But at some point, we've got to have a grateful heart to go, I'm not where I want to be yet. But thank God I'm not where I was. You know, I, I think it's interesting that this verse comes up after it talks about being generous to the slave after you release the slave and, and you give them liberally from, from your wine vat and from your threshing floor and from your harvest and all these things. It says you send the slave off with more than he came to you with. And then it says, because you need to remember where you came from. You weren't always free. You were in the slavery of the Egyptians. You were in the wilderness. You walked around not knowing where money and food was going to come, or where food was going to come from, and I sent manna from heaven. You didn't know where to get water, and I struck a rock and it came out. You were the guy that depended on me for every waking moment of your life. You were the person that was going through what they're going through. And you need to bless them the way that I bless you. And don't you forget that you were there where, you were there where they are. But you're not anymore. And some of us, what happens is what takes place in your life is the same thing that takes place in mine is familiarity. And the longer I live this life with God, the more I take advantage and I take for granted everything that he's brought me out of. I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm gonna close on this story. I was talking to somebody the other day. She asked me how old I was. I said, you didn't have to laugh. Uh, I'm just kidding. I said, I'm 38. She said, you're 38? You don't look 38. I was like, you're my best friend. It's the baby face. And I, I looked at her, and I don't know, I'm going to be real honest, like I'm not being super religious when I say this. I don't know why I said this, because I never say this. But I looked at her, and I said, you know what? When you're told at 23, 26, and 32 that you never should have woke up from operations, you're glad to see 38. I literally never, I've never said that statement out of my mouth to anybody before. And at the end of that conversation with this lady, my wife was standing there. And I remember, I just thought, you know what? You probably forget that way too much. You should probably be a little more grateful for all that you've been able to see because professionals told you you never should have seen it. And doctors told you. The longer we live and we're separated from the event that God brings us from, the more we take for granted everything he's brought us from. Some of us, that's why some of us can be saved for 50 years and act like we hadn't known Jesus for an hour. That's why we can come in here and jump and shout and cry during worship and cuss somebody out on the interstate. Because we forget that it's not a moment of emotion. It's a lifetime of redemption. And the reality is, is that I got to get to this place to where I go, I'm grateful. No, I'm not where I want to be. No, and I think these are fine. No, I don't have the truck I want, the car I want, the boat I want, the family I want, the, the, the job I want. No, I don't have the position I want. I don't have this I want. I don't have that I want. But I'm not where I was. I'm happier than I was. I'm more redeemed 
than I used to be. I lean on God more than I ever have in my life. I got more friends than I know what to do with. God's giving through me, not just to me. You know why I want more money? Can I just be honest? I want to give it away, man. I literally, one of my life goals is to reverse tithe. I want to live on 10% and give away 90%. That's one of my life goals. I'm going to get there one day. But the truth is, is like, I'm not there. I'm not where I want to be. But thank God, I'm not where I was, right? And if you are where you were, can I tell you something? Jesus doesn't want you there. He loves you enough to meet you where you are, but entirely too much to leave you there. See, this whole series is built on on weeks or episodes, if you want to call it that. Episodes of financial stability and growth and let's give away and let's trust God and let's build our finances on God's way and watch Him move. But you know what? At the base and the core, the base thought of it all, the foundation of it all, it's not even about the money you bring in. It's about the trust that you have in God. And the God that I serve, and the God that I get to live for, the God that I get to give my life to, the God that I build this church for, watch this. It's not a God that just gives me riches. It's a God that gives me eternal life. And I'll take that every day. And I'll build on that every day, no matter what. And so today, here's all I want to do. Like, I don't want you to miss a week. I want you to walk away and go, what, are my, what is my mentality? What is my attitude towards giving? What is my attitude towards money? Do I, am I grateful for it or am I, do I grieve over it, right? Am I generous with it or am I selfish with it? Like, what am I supposed to do? What is my heart? Because uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 tells us that we should be a cheerful giver. It's hard to be a cheerful giver when you're selfish and grieving all the time, isn't it? But watch this. My heart today is not that you walk out of here and you place a, a $50,000 check in the offering plate. However, if you do, it's right out there. There's a box on your way out. It's right there. Because it takes money to do ministry, praise God. But you know what the reality is? I want us to check our hearts. Hey, God, where's my attitude? And God, if it's not right, help me fix it. Not like overnight. Just help me fix it every time. Help me fix it over a process. Because redemption isn't always sudden. Sometimes it's a process. He takes us from glory, it says, to glory. Which is place to place, moment to moment with him. I just want to pray every day. I want to pray that we're going to go home, and we're not just going to hear a message today. And you're not going to walk away and go, okay, I learned something. Never read Deuteronomy before. There you go, I read that. Hey, never thought about it like that. Never heard about it like that. I don't want you to walk home and say that. You know what I want you to go home and say? God, what are you saying to me? And how can I live this out? How can I be more grateful? And how can I be more generous? Father, we honor you. And we worship you. And God, we're here today for life change. We're not here to hear a message. We're not here to sing songs. We're here for life change, man. And so, God, I pray that you would check our hearts today. Check our hearts, check our minds. Transform something on the inside of us by making us new the way that we think about this stuff. God, today, I I pray that you would take a selfish and a grieving attitude towards money. And, God, you'd make it generous. 
And God, you'd make it grateful that we'd never forget where we came from. And that we would always give more than we think we can. We'd stretch our capacities. As you teach us the word, God, I love you. I honor you. And God, it is your word that makes us better than we've ever been in our entire lives. And Father, we worship you and we give you everything we have. And we believe that the best is on the way. That God, the, the greatest is on the way. And God, we're going to base our foundation and our life on you above anything else. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate a great Woo! message?